Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. This is what the Lord God showed me. I saw that he was forming a locust swarm at the time when the late crops were beginning to sprout, the crops that were planted after the cuttings of the hay for the king. When the swarm had finished consuming the vegetation of the land, I said, Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? Look, he is so small. The Lord changed his decree about this. It will not happen, said the Lord. The second vision of fire. This is what the Lord God showed me. I saw the Lord God calling for a trial by fire, which devoured the great deep and started to consume the land. I said, Lord God, please stop. How can Jacob stand? Look, he is so small. The Lord changed his decree about this. This will not happen, said the Lord God. The third vision, the plumb line. This is what he showed me. I saw the Lord standing by a wall that had been constructed with a plumb line. He had a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, What do you see, Amos? I said, A plumb line. Then the Lord said, Look, I am about to set up a plumb line next to my people Israel. I will no longer overlook their sin. The high places of Isaac will be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to endure all his words. This is what Amos says, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go into exile away from its own soil. Then Amaziah said to Amos, You seer, get out of here. You prophet, flee to the land of Judah. You may eat food and prophesy there, but you must never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the sanctuary of the king and the national temple. Then Amos responded to Amaziah, I was not a prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet. Rather, I was a sheep breeder, and I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending flocks, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. But now hear the word of the Lord, you who are saying, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. This is what the Lord says, Your wife will be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be parceled out with a measuring line, and as for you, you will die upon unclean soil, and Israel will certainly go into exile far away from its own soil. This is the word of our God. Beginning here in chapter 7 and continuing all the way through the beginning of chapter 9, we have a series of five judgments, five visions that the end has come, five visions of how God is going to bring judgment on his people Israel, on the land of Jacob and Isaac, as he calls it here. And here in chapter 7, we have the first three visions of that, the vision of locusts, the vision of fire, and the vision of the plumb line. In the first three verses, the vision of the locusts, um, we have this note in verse 1. I saw that he was forming a locust swarm at a time when the late crops were beginning to sprout, the crops that were planted after the cuttings of hay for the king. In other words, the king already got his due, and it would be the people who would suffer. And Amos intercedes for them.
and the Lord changes his mind. Um, and perhaps it calls to mind exactly how Moses had interceded for the people during the, during the Exodus after the golden calf incident. And God says, move away. I'm going to make, I'm going to destroy them and make you into a great nation. And Moses appealed to God's grace and appealed to God's promises and interceded for the people. Amos does a similar thing here, and the Lord changed his mind, and the Lord relented from sending that disaster. Then the second vision of fire, um, the, that this fire was going to consume the land. And again, and Amos intercedes for the people, and the Lord relented. Then the third vision um, is the plumb line, that the Lord is standing there with you know a weight at the end of a string, and you hold the string, or you take a measurement at how far it is away from the, the wall at the top of the building. Building, and then you take a measurement, how far away is it from the wall at the bottom of the building? And that will give you an indication of, of how far the, the wall is leaning one way or another, or is it straight and true? Is it plumb? Um, and God says, you know, what do you see, Amos? And, and he says, I see a plumb line. And the Lord responds, I'm about to set a plumb line next to my people, Israel. I will no longer overlook their sin. And, and this is a vivid picture. Um, even though, even though you know, you and I probably don't encounter or use a plumb line, at least not every day of our lives, um, it's a vivid picture because it shows that there is a standard and the people are going to be held up to this standard. And even though in the first vision it was the people who suffered, um, the, the king already had his already had his share, and the locusts would be consuming the food of the people. God says, "Yeah, the people are accountable." Even though, even though the king himself is the one who is all also accountable, the people are also at at fault here when they have turned away from the Lord. In the second vision, um, the fire coming on the land, uh, starting to consume the land. Um, everybody is going to suffer because of their rejection of the Lord. And then the third, the third vision here, um, God sets a, pl- a plumb line next to His people Israel, and there's still almost that that desire for repentance right there. He says, they are my people, Israel. Um, God wants them to return to him. And then this is interrupted almost here in chapter 7, uh, verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sends a message to Jeroboam, the king of Israel. Here's the, this priest at Bethel. He is a the priest of a false god. He is the priest for the idol there at Bethel. And he sends a message, you know, that this is not in our national interest to have Amos from the southern kingdom walking around and prophesying, um, prophesying against our northern kingdom kingdom. He was basically saying that Amos is a national security threat. He says in verse 10, the land is not able to endure all his words. And then verse 13, he speaks directly to Amos and says, you must never prophesy against Bethel because it is the sanctuary of the king and the national temple. And Amos is like, hold on a minute, dude. Rewind here. Um, I'm not a prophet. I have no vested interest in this. He says that he has not been trained as a prophet, um, but he certainly has respect for the prophetic office. And the Lord took him. And we note here in verses, you know, 15 through 17, um, that always the Old Testament prophets and then especially Old Testament prophets, they, they speak in a way that they know that they're prophesying. They aren't making this up. You know, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They knew that they were prophesying. And that's what Amos notes here. 
the Lord took me from tending flocks. The Lord said to me, go prophesy and now hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, you know, verses 15 through 17. And in this, in this discussion, it's kind of interesting because here is this priest who is a priest to a false God. He has a vested interest in, in Amos not disrupting his own power and authority, but he's speaking on behalf of the people in a sense. Um, because he, he has already sent a message to the king, and we might hear about that again in a little bit later here. Um, but then Amos is in the middle of the series of five visions. He gets through three of them, and he has interceded on behalf of the people. Oh, Lord, relent. He is too small. He cannot handle this. And the Lord relents. But now, now things are going to be different, getting into chapter 8 and then chapter 9. With the, the last vision at the beginning of chapter 9, things are going to be different after Amaziah speaks on behalf of the people and says, Amos, get out of here because this isn't nice. This isn't something that we want. Um, you're disrupting and making people uncomfortable and you're making them think that, that something is wrong. Well, something was very wrong. And the thing that was wrong was that now the people would be cut off from the possibility of repentance. The word of the Lord has been pushed out of their midst, has been rejected officially and individually. And now things are going to be different. The judgment will certainly come. So what do we learn from this? First of all, God is patient. And second of all, that patience has an end. But then thirdly, um, we also learned that some of the strongest, harshest judgment that God could have is that he lets people go their own way. He lets the sin run its course and he withdraws his seeking, questing love to bring them back to him. As Amos chapter 7 wraps up, what we see is Amos is going to be leaving, and Amos is not going to be preaching in the northern kingdom anymore, but the words and the judgment of God is still going to be coming. And the people, the people by and large, have lost their opportunity to repent. And, and that kind of is reflected in what we see in New Testament discipline. In church discipline that we speak to somebody, we encourage somebody, we meet with them, but then there is a time when so-called, you know, so to speak, the patience runs out when we stop, when they have pushed us away and said, you know what, Pastor Hagen, get out of here. I don't want to hear it again. And, um, and fine. Okay. <laughs> we'll remove you from our list. And I have been faithful in making sure that you have heard what God has said, as well as what God wants from you, as well as the repercussions for rejecting instead of repenting. So what do we learn from this? I think the overall message here is that we recognize the call to repentance when it is there. We recognize that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to, to take our faith seriously and to take the word of our God seriously, because he sincerely wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to repentance and come to a knowledge of the truth. And even if that makes us uncomfortable, we should listen and pay attention and wait for our Lord to, to speak to us through his word and through the chosen prophet, so to speak, that he has placed in our midst. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.